Welcome to Old Dog New Tricks. Everyone has heard this saying before, but today we are putting that theory to the test. My co-host John and I are focusing on the flight to quality and what that means to investors when it comes to cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin specifically. So the reason that we're calling it flight to quality is because recently Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, made a statement on Fox News saying that he thinks Bitcoin will be a flight to quality. So in response to that, I... First of all, I, I definitely agree. I think it's something that's really interesting. But I wrote an article about it just talking about some of the talking points about why I think this is happening and what kind of things can you learn about it to help. And John is here to talk about what he thinks as a person who doesn't really, not as tech savvy, doesn't really understand the a lot of the nuances, but can really understand the market ETF side, what people are thinking when he hears flight to quality and uh, yeah, so let's take it away. What, what are your thoughts on this one, John? Hey, Austin. Yeah, I'd like to just uh, say as a place to start that I really enjoyed your article. Awesome. Flight Appreciate to quality, it. Bitcoin and hyperinflation. And it's a timely article. It was uh, well-written and just made some uh, great points. And as I was reading it, it made me mm, think about flight to quality and certain dimensions uh, of it. So what do I mean by that? The first thing that came to my mind is your central notion is a flight to quality is a, a movement to greater uh, use of and adoption of what I'm going to call digital currencies because I really want to work hard at moving us away from calling it cryptocurrency yeah. for reasons I expressed earlier and the, more of a Version and use of uh, crypto of <laughs> digital currency. <laughs> See, it's in my it's hard it's hardwired in, which just makes my point. We have to work yeah. at this, right? Digital currency, it's, digital collectibles. These are things right. that are much more user friendly. They don't have the bad stigma, the connotation that we talked about previously. We that was something that we talked about. I think in the last episode, just about how what differences between what people actually think when they hear these words and how. Marketing has not gotten a hold of crypto, really. It's just a bunch of tech nerds who aren't thinking yeah. about the the marketing here. <laughs> I, I had this great in-color 3D fantasy in my mind of 15, 18, 20 years ago or whatever. You and your kindred, these mathematical wizards, are, are creating this currency and you're deciding what to call it. And somebody comes up with the brilliant idea that this is secretive, cool mathematical stuff. Let's call it crypto. Yeah. And there was no marketing maven that was part of that group that jumped in and said, "Hold the, pump the brakes." You wanted to be a friendly sound, but current and high tech, unacceptable. And digital would have worked just fine. So I'm going to try to be consistent with that. But you make the point. Of course, it's hardwired in. It stays. Yeah, it's hard to say. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. To have a flight to quality that is helpful in in just Bursting the use of and acceptance of Bitcoin, and I'll limit uh, this part of the discussion to the U.S., although it's certainly applicable to, to other countries. This currency, I believe, is only going to flourish, or it's going to uh, uh, flourish much more effectively if the underlying economy within which it resides is a healthy one. Right. Yep. And so the idea is that with the flight to, to quality is if the underlying economy is not a healthy one, 
you can't make the flight in the first place to quality because to there is the no flight. <laughs> there's nothing to fly. There's not, you're, you can't, there's no discretionary income to put in the flight, right? Yeah, exactly. Because all of one's income is being sucked up with making it month to month. And uh, we do have a problem with that that's uh, significantly understated. And uh, so I, I picked up, you were so right on in, in the right up front in your article to bring up the topic of inflation. And put some numbers in there that are pretty interesting. And as I was reading the numbers, you had mentioned food prices were up 18% and energy prices were up 37%. And then, and you mentioned housing as well. And then there was a summary statement of inflation has been above 4% for 29 months. And it was a, it's a great opportunity for us to talk about just for a moment um, how the government reports inflation. The chief number they use is called core, C-O-R-E, core inflation. And it specifically does not include gasoline mm -hmm. or food. And so you and I and the Bridge ones person. who are listening to this that are going <laughs> out every day, so, wait, 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 why, why wait wouldn't we include gas and food? Those are the ones that are hurting me the most, second only to housing. So what's this? What's that? And we'll have a little laugh, but it's really not a laugh. And is that the, the government's argument will be energy and food, the prices are too volatile. So you can't really use that in a core inflation number to which you and your cronies would respond. But yeah, isn't that the whole idea, the whole right? entire it's point, the whole right? Whole like, point. we're here. We want things. The whole point is the... the the amount of food that we generally eat and the amount of those are stable things generally. The price, like, that's the cool thing. Like, when you actually think about it, that's why I always think, like, when I love to see things compared to the price of Bitcoin, like, my favorite one is eggs. The price of Bitcoin to the price of eggs over time, because the demand of eggs is relatively stable. Yes. The, that's something that it doesn't really change. People want eggs. They eat two eggs in the morning, right? That's like a thing. I, you know what? I, I appreciate it. I've learned something. <laughs> I didn't know that. Now I'm happy to know that. That's actually useful to think about. Yeah. So when you're actually thinking about these things and you're looking at core inflation, oh, core inflation's, oh, we're headed down. It's a downtrend. Everything's going downwards. We're at 4%. We're going to be at 2% in the next following year. That's something to you know, all the projections that we want. We want to reach 2%. That's the magic number. Realistically, it's still inflating your money away. These are things that you use to buy goods and services that you need, right? So housing, food, and entertainment, anything like that, whatever. You don't actually need entertainment, but you know what I'm saying. Like These things are relatively stable in price. And when you actually look at charts comparing the price of Bitcoin and the price of eggs and then include the dollar in there as well, you see a wildly different picture, right? Because you actually see the debasement of the currency compared to the price of eggs, which is the demand is relatively stable. So the price to Bitcoin versus eggs is tremendously up and the Bitcoin favor, obviously. You can buy yes. way more money. It used to buy, yes. used to be like one egg per Bitcoin and now it's like 0. 0.000000001. <laughs> Bitcoin for an egg, right? Versus five years ago, an egg, a 12 thing, a 12 pack of eggs was like 250. 
and now it's 99 or something crazy. So mm -hmm. you can see that just in the long term, that's what actually is the rub here is, and you're talking about the flight to quality, and I disagree with you pretty much 100% because the thought process is you have to have the money to actually do that. But yes, you do. But there's a different, the flight to quality here is now there's a correlation that has been with tech stocks, NASDAQ, S&P, those things that with Bitcoin have been wildly correlated for years. And now <clears throat> it's at a 30% correlation because what's happening when there's actually a problem hitting the fan, right? We see, it's blatantly obvious that we see the problems that are happening. Debt, our, we, our number one spender is debt. Interest yes. paid on debt now. So out of anything else, you want to fix potholes, you want to buy weapons, you want to fund schools, we have to pay, just the interest is the highest thing that we pay annually now for spend, government expenditure. So the idea here is, just how in previous large crashes, movement of like gold, things that kind of continue to be the hedge, we've said it multiple times, when is that going to be true? Is it going to be a hedge or is it going to be a tech stock, a fancy new tech stock that is only used to increase your dollars, right? That's what most people see these investments as, right? If I buy a bunch of S&P, I want the money to be higher at the end when I retire. My IRA wants to be higher because I need that to money. But I'm, at the end of the day, I'm getting back dollars. I'm just getting more dollars back. But with the thought of Bitcoin and gold, it's like that. These are things that are like, I rather have more Bitcoin because the idea is it's you can't inflate it away. We're going to have to turn on the money printers eventually, right? There's literally no other option at this point because we are threatening each other with government shutdowns and all these things. So they're going to have to inflate the debt away through spending. At the end of the day is, which one is going to break first? And my thought process here is, it's not going to be Bitcoin because it doesn't change. It's always a constant. And we're seeing that we're only 170 days away and the correlation between stocks and, and crypto is at all-time low. And I see that, I personally think that we are starting to break away from this. We're the tech stock. People see it more as the, the currency idea. And it might not be right away, and I still I this is a long-time projection, but we have ETF knocking on the door. Gary's congratulating Satoshi today on Twitter. Talking about if congratulations for fifth. This is the 15 year anniversary of the Bitcoin white paper that was published oh so long ago. I do think that we're on the precipice of allowing that, just how Larry Fink said it. We are going to be seeing crypto in a new light. And I think that's a lot sooner than we thought because I was thinking a lot longer picture here. But um, we've the Bitcoin price in eight countries is actually at a all time high. And do you know why? Is because those countries have already in, experienced that hyperinflation, right? Those ones are, Bitcoin is in the value of their currency all time high. So you see that same, that same thing can happen very quickly with something like 
with the change in BRICS GDP, we have it's already put on this idea of stability is not something that's easily come by in the future for the U.S. dollar. We've seen a lot of the dollar price is pushing higher right now. We've seen it being pushed all this year, but when you again when you compare it to other currencies, yeah, we're doing great. That's what the picture is. But when you compare it to gold, property, things that are scarce, like Bitcoin, which is the scarcest living asset, you see a different picture, right? That's my biggest thought here, my soapbox for the day. I like this because it wasn't biggest thought, it's biggest thoughts. And as I was listening to you, my mind has gone in a couple of directions that I didn't yeah, I see. John, I see some notes. Anticipating <laughs> it going, honestly. Let me talk just about brick for a moment. That was another yeah. concept that you mentioned in, in your article. And then I want to talk, go back to the concept you made, you, the notion of our drowning ourselves in debt from government yeah. spending. And with respect to BRIC, at, at this point, from what I see, I'm not overly mm, concerned with the potential success of, of BRIC relative to the dollar. And the reason for that is that if there were to be a BRIC currency, it would be because you had the governments of four separate countries, Brazil, India, China, Russia, agreeing to create and use a, a new currency and promote that worldwide. And I think that particularly for those four countries and their leadership, that when it gets down to the practical details of doing it, I think that would be profoundly difficult, difficult to actually achieve. I do. Yeah. And so that's, so I'm not overly concerned about that one with regard to, I don't think it'll be a success either. I think just the instability factor that it portrays and puts into the psyche of other people, it's like another thing. That's another thing that we didn't have to worry about previously. And now it is fair point. That's, I, I don't think any of them succeed. I don't think bricks succeed. I don't think the dollar succeeds. I don't think, you know, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm 9% crypto. Right. It's a right. big, it's a mind shift. And I do think that the further we go out, and again, like we're talking longer term picture, 10 years or something like that, but the longer this, the road that we are on with no stopping in sight, it's just each year we, we say the same thing every year. I remember hearing about deficit issues in 2008, and this is completely eclipses any notion of that at all. Like we are wildly more in debt now than we were then. So I do think that, and across, I know most countries are across the board. So I don't think that's the, the issue. I just think that there's the more instability, the more likely that something just like you looked into the picture of, I keep hearing about this stuff, this digital current, digital currencies, why Maybe I'll just check it out. What do what I see in it? And then you see that you get empowered by it, really. So I do think that, yeah, I don't think BRICS can, can succeed either. I just think it's, it's time that they're all infighting amongst themselves while there is a new, more sound version of what they've already created mm -hmm. exists. Yes. And your other point about our 
massive and excessive debt, and that's swallowing up the value of our dollar. I think that's undeniable. It's hugely inflationary and only means bad things. There is one opportunity for, I think, for us to reverse that. And I think it may end up being a forced choice. And that one thing is to restore our oil independence and become a net global producer rather than a buyer. We have every opportunity to do that. And politically, it's been unsavory and the left has been well in control there the last three years. And we can see there's other issues, leadership and so forth, but we can see what that alone. We can see that uh, narrative of what's happened. We've we've depleted all of our reserves. We don't, we have no power in this, but we could because we have large, we have the largest reserve. Exactly. Not not made. We have, we have like our stores, our possibility of reserving all that, the oil is the highest. Like we have our ground oil is, is one of the highest. Correct. We're very fortunate that way. And what I think the average person doesn't understand is when we speak of petroleum and petroleum products, it's yeah. uh, certainly not just putting gasoline in your tank. Petro- <laughs> if you're any plastic, ha- any exactly plastic cup, your clothing, um, both the manufacturing of it and the products themselves all have petroleum in them, and so it, it's quite really fundamental to our economy and and I'm certain will be for another 20, 30 years. And I'm very much for being responsive to climate change to the extent that it actually exists and moving toward better, more efficient sources of energy and less polluting to be sure, carbon footprint, the whole deal. I just, I think it has to take place in a much longer time frame and much more methodically, or else you end up creating more damage. Just the same thing as with the bricks. It's a massive undertaking. That's not, these are that's trillions of dollars that these industries needs to revamp. And until that, there is something that is that much more efficient or that much more powerful in generating that amount of energy, it's, we're not even close. We're looking at stuff like fusion, looking at stuff like fission, nuclear plants, stuff like that, that all has a bad name, but realistically is wildly more effective per like per square inch of research. Like looking at, I saw this article that was really interesting. That was to power, I think it was like, I can't remember, it was a city in Japan, like a larger city. It was having to have 300,000 residents, nothing huge, but like a good size. They had to use, it was I can't remember what it was but exactly, but it was a huge amount. They were covering their entire like mountainside with solar panels or that same energy can be generated in one nuclear plant that had, and also the extra energy that was produced was like a thousandfold, right? Just the efficiency of all these things is wildly underperforming comparatively to our actual needs as a country. So yes. I do think that- So here's that, a question for you on okay. nukes. So the question is, how often does a U.S. Air, nuclear, U.S. aircraft carrier, or for that matter, a nuclear submarine. U.S. submarine have to be refueled? Like 70 years. <laughs> something wild like that? It's pretty wild. It's, yeah, they go quite a long time between refuelings. 
Yeah. It's the answer. I could go with several, not 70, (laughs) several, (laughs) several years, but yeah, the efficiency of it is, is not to be denied. And also, even though nuclear has been just the submarine, you should just connect a a series of solar panels above it. The the, uh, submarine. (laughs) There's a vision. (laughs) (laughs) You have 360,000 panels floating above the submarine and then that'll help. I think yeah, that'll, that'll be that's good. a good hiding place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, gosh. But the I think the point here, I, I actually believe, I hate being wrong, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> I, th- I think that we will, I think within no more than three years, we will reverse our energy policies and we'll be making our own, generating our own petroleum again and, and selling it worldwide and We'll stop buying it from Iran and Venezuela, two insane decisions, which we're paying for now. I think that will happen. And that, that will be good news for crypto because even if we take all of your points about crypto to be correct, crypto, listen to me, digital, will still be better I off. I did it. I've been saying <laughs> it for seven years now. My uh, job. Crypto in a crippled economy will not do as well as crypto digital in a healthy economy. Yeah. And I think that's the point because what you're trying to do, one of crypto's probably the single most important challenge for digital is achieving widespread participation of using it as a medium of exchange. Yeah. That's the basic thing. It's not gold to hoard and wait. Yeah. It's when it's used as a currency is when the actual success of it is which I have another counter, which I think is very interesting. So since 20, I think it was 2021, every country using crypto has declined tremendously, right? Because obviously, it's pretty obvious. That was the height of the crypto. That's when everyone was searching for it. But there was a study showing that the, let me pull it up real quick, the crypto countries that were in the, Lower middle income brackets uh, were actually higher than their bull market uh, usage. So let me, I have it right here. Let me just let me pull it up real quick. The 2023 Global Crypto Adoption Index was a weighting of 155 currencies experiencing some level of crypto adoption. The rankings are weighted to determine the uh, adoption per country relative to the population size and purchasing power. Okay. This was a GNI per capita range. So between $1,000 and $4,000 was considered a low middle income uh, earner. So like India, Nigeria, Ukraine, these, Turkey, these were ones that had a purchasing crypto was actually, let's see three times higher than it was at the top of the market. So these are countries that have experienced the, pro- the, the problems that we're describing. We are the first, we're going to be the last ones to experience it, right? Mm-hmm. We're the U.S., we're, the, we're high income, we're the highest possible income bracket world, like globally. There may be a discrepancy between inter the U.S., obviously the wealth gap is massive, but between us and everyone else, it's even more discrepancy. Discrepancy is massive, right? Like the average earner is in a low and a middle income is four thousand dollars a year. Is that's what most you know, like average worker makes in what a month or two. So, 
Yes. I do think that <clears throat> these things are, are very interesting because as these are facing rising inflation, Turkey had <clears throat> reached 60% as of August 23, year over year, the Lyra um, is, is up 60% in inflation. So th that country specifically now is experiencing a much higher usage of crypto, and it's higher than its 2001 bull market indicator of high usage, right? So I see. Um, because, I because, because, and you're, the, you're, you're thinking there is that the population has lost confidence in its currency, and so digital presents an alternative that they yeah. arguably have more confidence in than their own mother currency. The, the more that the fire gets closer to you, the more that you're going to be like, shit. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. I think the more countries that actually do go this route, we've seen, you know, we always talk, I always talk about El Salvador. They've been experiencing very, very good success with switching to it. They've had a reduction in crime rate, all this stuff. And I do think that each time a country experiences that more inflation, it's just like, okay. They were the first ones to showcase and jump out of this shell and take it on and champion it. What, what happens when other countries want to experience that? They don't want that. Turkey doesn't want inflation at all time high, right? They want to control these things. And when you have multiple countries, which I think within a couple of years, we'll see multiple countries going that route, right? Switching their main unit of exchange to Bitcoin or something similar. I do think that you see a, a different picture, right? Like the more that there's more countries doing this, the more likelihood of a nether, smaller, low middle income country also does that. So, you know, I, what would be interesting, another one to, therefore, one that would be interesting to watch right along the same line of thinking would be Argentina. Mm, I'm yeah. familiar with Argentina's economy and economics. And actually, just before we got on this podcast, I looked at their latest numbers. Their stock market's called the Marvel. Yeah. Uh, it's just an acronym for like our S&P index. And... As you had pointed out in your article, Argentina's uh, inflation this last year has exceeded 100, actually it's exceeded 100% since last yeah. February. And the in August, their central bank, can now imagine this happening in the U.S. In August, their central bank devaluated their peso by 18%. So if you're holding that peso, the, the, the central bank in the stroke of a pin now just cuts 20% of your wealth or the currency you're holding. And, and uh, I, as a thinker here, do you want to be in front of that to happen? Because like when you look at these, like all of them are doing this. Like it's not just oh, one, not just Venezuela had bad hyperinflation. It's now we're at like over 15 countries in the last two years to experience this. Right. Uh, and the other point about Argentina that relates to digital yeah. is that now it takes a thousand of their pesos to equal one of our U.S. dollars, and there's all there for the since the nineteen in early nineteen nineties, Argentina had a just an economic disaster, and since that time they have been hoarding U.S. paper money to the point that the last figure I think was like sixteen percent of all U.S. Of currency that's real paper, like yeah, paper dollars is stuffed in their mattresses. It's in Argentina somewhere. It's been so highly valued. So the connect I'm going to make here now is with this with the dollar faltering, does it send these hoarders in the direction of hoarding? Where is 
Where's the hoard? Safe haven? No, hoard's yeah. digital currency. Seriously uh, though, what's what is the what's the what everything is fake? What's the what's something that's real? I mean, a mathematical equation. Exactly. It's, in it's hyperspace that's, somewhere. That's right. Exactly. And another cool one. I this is another graph that I I just saw here was 2001 through 2002. Cause positive year-over-year growth in transaction volume. Highest are Saudi Arabia, Vietnam, Nigeria, Spain, Taiwan, Indonesia. So the highest was 12%, 11 6.9, 6.9, 2%, and 1.3% growth year-over-year. So again, like these are not even, doesn't even mean that they're middle-low income. I think Saudi Arabia is actually a pretty higher uh, on the on the index of where they're at. So they're actually high income users on a global scale. They're the highest change. So I do think that is something to just be thinking about, right? Yes. If we can, because I know we have a time yeah. limit. I wanted to ask you how you think that the digital currency industry is doing with respect to making itself more and more user-friendly. Now, we know we're watching the ETF thing, get all of yeah. that. But I, at the grassroots level, uh, I, I always like to use the hard wallet example because it's grassroots, it's nuts and bolts. And how do you think the industry is doing on that front? Because it requires geeks who are the innovators to think outside of themselves as to sure. what a broader user base Put themselves base in the need. shoes of somebody who doesn't yeah. want to do any of this. Right? Yeah, just, so, I don't know, remove 30 IQ points and decide how you'd have to do it. I don't know. Yeah, so I do think that is something that is what during this. So pretty much every time that there's this cyclical nature of up only and then down bearish markets, the only people that are left are people that are actually building things. This cycle had a lot of really interesting um, upgrades on that side. So we had... One of the largest ones was Ethereum. It has a new protocol that is called account abstraction. So you can, you're able to make a wallet with just your email and sign up. And so you don't even know any of the number, the private key and the blah, 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 and all that stuff is the now, authorization code. All that stuff is now abstracted behind your regular email. So okay. that one was a, a big upgrade. There was also another one that has been proliferating pretty well. Is their their bots? So they call them trading bots. So the idea here is might not be more applicable to you, but the younger generation that don't that a lot of people already have some sort of messaging service, like they use Discord or Telegram. Uh, do you know what tell you've heard of Telegram before? I have heard of that. Okay, so like Telegram is the probably the most proliferated landscape for these. You go to their website, you click a button that adds the bot to your Telegram. So now you have a, an account that's linked to your Telegram name and number, right? So it's like account abstraction in the sense that it's tied to your Telegram, right? So what happens there is now it, <clears throat> you can uh, add money. So I actually had, we did a lot of people in NRN recently with this. And I got even my dad to use it. It worked really well for him because he doesn't know anything about crypto. The example that I'm going to uh, use is you are trying to get into crypto. I say, hey, do you have Telegram or Discord? Yeah, I do. Great. So now you don't have to learn MetaMask. You skip <sighs> Ledger. You skip all of these things. 
that you have literally no idea and you have to spend probably a good 20 hours of like time to become familiar with them. So that's all skipped. And now you have a bot in your telegram that says, Hey, what do you want to do? I would like to buy or sell. There are two buttons and you literally click buy. How much would you like to buy? And what contract? So you can like, so say as a person who's trying to teach people, Hey everybody, I'm looking at this to buy. This is in my channel. We call it alpha channel, right? So I'm looking at this token. Here's the information, blah, blah, blah. Now as a user, you can go, okay, cool. Copy, paste, click buy, click the amount I want to buy, send. And it's just, that's the workflow. And it's literally like a chat bot. So you're literally like talking with like almost like an AI assistant, essentially. I like where, that a lot. Do you think that will get to the point of being a phone app? Oh yeah, big time. I, it's already wildly catching fire. There's so many new ones that are popping up left and right. And they're personally, I like them a lot. There's one that, so Unibot is one, Maestro is, is one. There's probably, those are probably the top two, one called Bananabot. But essentially... They're catching on very quickly. Most people that are at, like actively trading like I am are already using them. So it sets up a lot of cool things too, because the idea of when you're trading something on chain trading, you can't really have like limits and like stops. And yeah. those aren't really things that like, you, you can be like, I want to buy. And it's the market price that you're buying. That's it. It's, like, it's, it's discreet. It's, yeah, I get it. It's already, it's on a curve. It's already, whatever the current price is, what you can buy it at. You can't mm -hmm. uh, set any, any future positions or anything like that. So mm -hmm. that's another thing you can do. It's I want to buy. And then you can say, I want to buy limit instead of market. So then I want one ETH purchased at this price. And you type in the price, enter. And then it just sits there and waits until that price is hit. And when that price is hit on the, the chart, then it puts your transaction through. So <clears throat> it's becoming, and I do really think with the, the, the push and dissemination of AI technology, you're going to just be like, whatever they call in the future, chat, chat GBT. Yeah. Uh, hey, chat GBT, how's my crypto portfolio? Here's your crypto portfolio. Here's all the stuff that's here. It's a now that- The AI this, will correct for- The AI will correct for crypto to digital. So you want to think it's, about it'll it. be that, that it'll be yeah. that helper yes. for you essentially that can get people to experience these things without having to have any knowledge besides being able to chat with somebody. Right. Yeah. And therefore, um, and uh, with that, be less scared to death of loss exactly, of control. Like, exactly. So you're, it's a program, but it's got an AI assistant that can do all these powerful things for you without becomes like a, a broker for mm -hmm. you. Essentially. I want to buy these shares at this price. Thanks. Yeah. I do think that those are growing very rapidly. And I do think that they will be one of the most successful tokens of the next bull run, which I Cer think certainly for my group. Starting. Right. Yeah. Like, easy easy you know, use. Because as my, much as the ETF's a nice idea, there's a lot of, of my uh, generation that are, you know, are, are in the market and have some experience that for various reasons, aren't necessarily ETF fans. Yes, yeah, the price of least resistance, but yeah. you're you're paying somebody who plays a lot of golf to do that for you. <laughs> Again, it's all it's always the thing. It's always the same thing. It's like the user UX is here, right? Or sorry, let's start. Out. User X is here. The middleman 
is here. And as these get better, there's less need for that person there yeah. to hold your hand. Yeah. Five to 10 years from now, when we have the rate of growth on AI tech is absurd. The amount of things that, that you can do, if you're actually curious about AI stuff, I don't know how to code websites. I don't know how to do anything. I can't draw. I'm not, a, I'm not art. I made new logos for all of my podcasts. I made an AI model of my voice to now read my newsletters to people who want to hear the newsletter instead of read the newsletter. That is way I've cool. made, these are things that <clears throat> can turn a, let's say like a thousand person company tech company, tech startup, into a 10, a 10 power users of an AI can probably produce way more. Yes. No question. So I do think that there is a lot of capability, especially in the growing tech fields to see this overlap of AI, crypto, and AR, augmented mm -hmm. reality, visual reality mm -hmm. type stuff. Mm -hmm. That is those three things. Like we... We're in the age of AI. You want to know what's actually true and what's actually false. We've seen these thousands of videos now coming out of, I don't want to get into the political stuff, but like a ton of the what's actually happening, bombs going off and stuff like that. You can, those are, you can see if they're actually fake or not. There's Look at the persuasion machine. Exactly. There's, this is a serious thing that is propagating right now. And you can see how, what war looks like in the internet age is much, much different than previous time, right? You, I was talking about all of it, and you don't know yeah. if it's true or not, right? Yeah. So I was talking about, about it with uh, some of my peers uh, who all of our dads were in some fashion involved in World War II yeah. and granddads before that. And there's always been the, the persuasion campaign of spreading certain lies and so forth with lack of sophistication, whether it be leafleting or manipulating code or what have you, there, there's great works that have been written about the cleverness with which people carried that out in World War II and other conflicts. But now, we're, of course, when you apply AI at a much higher level of sophistication, the, the same manipulative uh, uh, content possibilities takes take possibilities takes new twists and turns and that's right it gets ramped up now yeah, we got instead of hearing the one side of the just not to get into it again really a lot but like one-sided news broadcasting so this is what fox says this is what fox says this is what cnn says this is what cnn says. they're pumping that now with this age you're just getting hit with all of it like a fire hose so you don't know which one's actually true, which actually not. And so stuff like crypto and blockchain tech allows those to be more reputable, right? So if the same person is releasing uploaded on IPFS video connected to the blockchain, they've posted 25 of these videos, they've gained reputation, they've now, now they've made themselves like a go-to person to get reputable news it's that that again it's that <clears throat> the constant uh addition just how we do with these like i gain more reputation because i have 200 podcasts and 150 newsletters and i talk about it all the time so right. if someone's oh I, I want to get some good information good crypto news maybe this guy will have it because he's got all this he's already got so much information he's got all stuff to read up on where now you can get more when the, in the age of everything's fake, the thing that has, there has to be one, has to be something that tells you if it's real or not. 
And that can be crypto, right? It can say this, I uploaded this real video. I, I can, and I guess there could be manipulations on that too, but I, I just feel like there's to be a reputable source and to actually be believed, you have to put in that repetition and have to release all real and true information or you lose that credibility. In an age of dissemination of false information, you want to find people that are actually giving good information and recounting good information and they, their reputation precedes them as they get larger and larger so that they can, this is backed by the chronological of all these posts that I've made on the blockchain with these videos. And I just think that's something that is interesting, right? It's something that as it gets easier and easier to fake things, like I can literally, <clears throat> that's a really crazy thing. I can take a picture of your face now and there's a program called FaceSwap that literally I can have a full video as you, like wow. with me talking. And it's literally just a picture of your face. Were you trying um, to sc scare your children for Halloween? Is that the idea? <laughs> <laughs> it's Uncle <Yeah>. John. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> But you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's, it's something that it's, it's always, it's a, realistically like that, that, that idea is it goes back to why I think blockchain will just be successful in general too. It's the more uncertainty there is, the more people look for the true truthfulness of things yes. and dive deeper and spend their time researching things that are, how do I know this is even true? How do I know? So I do think that with that trustless state with the blockchain, we'll see more proliferation of that as longer we go on, right? Very good. You know what, I, I'd like to make a, a, a parting statement that kind of ties sure. into what you just said and, and a prediction. All right, here we go. And my, my parting- A lot of predictions this episode. I know, my parting statement and, and prediction, I just want to restate, my prediction is that within no more than three years, we will reverse our energy policies. Number one. And that energy and its control is if the substrate is one of the more important substrates of creating a thriving digital economy um, because the underlying economy has the potential to be healthy. And also if we, if the dollar, the, the healthier the dollar in a real sense, I think that the better for digital currency as well. Um, and I do think that will happen because I think we'll be driven into it by many circumstances, some domestic and many global. Yeah, as well. We'll see if I end up being right on that. But I'm so happy to hear really that there is a big effort on increasing the user friendliness for end users. I'll show you, I'll show you some of the huge. ones. I'll, I'll send you the thing, the link to it okay. or whatever. I'll try to show you that. But yeah, it's, it's a crazy way to just experience it. It's a great thing that I, I like to point out is now it's Using blockchain tech, it's really mostly limited to your computer, right? You have to be right. on your desktop. Mobile right. usage, it, computer usage compared to mobile usage as the average user is about 90% mm -hmm. mobile versus 10%. So that is already the biggest hurdle we have to overcome is everything's built for desktops and laptops, not the mobile side. And now with the bot and stuff like that, you're able to take that on the go. So we actually, it was really funny. We, it was on our way to Chicago for a summer vacation a couple months ago. And Jessica always drives. She's actually, I get, she gets car sick. So she's usually in charge of driving. So she has her hands on the wheel. It's better. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, she, yeah, she's, she's in charge of that. So I was able to sit there 
follow along with people and trade in our group scenario. And in one day, I was plus $40,000 just cool. from trading back and forth, doing all these things on this new trip. And it just felt like empowering in the sense What a productive that, like, trip. Exactly. Yeah, this wasn't <laughs> like wasted time. I was able to do some things that were actually... Got that overpriced yeah. petrol paid for. <laughs> I paid for my whole trip 10x. <laughs> so like that, the idea is that it can be like mobile and you can actually do things that are necessary. And also the side of the opposite of that is I don't want to be there 100% of the time. And crypto is a 24-7 market. <laughs> yeah. Now I can be like, if I know what I'm doing properly and I know how to chart and I know how to do trading and I know all these things, yeah, I'm going to put uh, so a couple of buys down at this lower resistance point. And if they hit, they don't, great. But you're there. They're already yeah. ready to go. And it's not a thing. Stop losses. I mean, stop losses. Got to yeah, have huge. stop yeah. losses. That's yeah, huge. Your 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 how else are you going to sleep? Preservation of yeah, your <laughs> preservation of capital is wildly important. That's like the most yeah. important process part of trading, right? Is if you're not if you don't have a a set of rules, you're just gambling. So the idea is when you see these things and I go, we'll go into that later, but like we'll have, I have these set of things. I sell in thirds. I do these things have I, and, and I always do them no matter what the, I tried to, obviously I'm human. I make errors, but the more likely that you're in that set of rules that you always follow, the more likely you are able to preserve and make the capital that you were trying to grow. I do think that is something that gives that a little bit more, just a power, especially for power users. But it is also, been, again, beneficial for the, the new users too, because they can just get used to this type of system from the start. So they make trades in this all enclosed. They are not able to click phishing links because they don't even know how to connect the wallet. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just buy and sell buttons. So I can't go to this phishing website and connect to it accidentally and accidentally sign something because guess what? You don't even know how to sign things. It's not mm -hmm. even there. So that first three months of users, user base, usership of this program is relegated to buying and selling only on one connection source. So you're not, you're not going crazy and search the internet. Like I had a, a friend who <clears throat> got into crypto a couple months ago and I was like, Hey man, I know you like the meme stocks. He, he was a big like, GameStop guy. And I was like, you should check out this one called Pepe came out not too long ago. I, th I think I told you about it. It was a, a really crazy one, but it went yes. from zero to like a billion dollar market cap in 20 days. Um, <clears throat> first time using crypto for him, he bought like a hundred bucks, went to a thousand bucks, and then he got it stolen because it, he like clicked a link that said, would, I can't remember what it was, but it was like, there's an airdrop for your Pepe holders. Yeah. And if, and he's a new user, doesn't know these things. And he's, Oof. man, this really sucks. I didn't even know. I didn't even know. He didn't even know it was gone, yeah. but I had to tell him that. Yeah, if you, you had to deliver in. the bad news. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, by He's the like, way, is it there still? And I'm like, that is, <laughs> is definitely not, not there, there anymore. There. <laughs> and I'm like, and like, that sucks. And at least it was 100 bucks. It was $1,000. You took $1,000, but realistically, you, of your own real money that you put in is 100 bucks. That could, you yeah. could have been way worse. And if it was something where it was like on this bot, and I was like, hey, man, here's the contract to Pepe, buy this. He wouldn't have been able to even click that link or wouldn't be able, it wouldn't even be able to yes. possibility because yes. it couldn't even connect the wallets. The security side of it is, I think is a little bit better, a little bit more improved. And the idea is just makes it a lot easier. So I do think that the UI is we're there. We're getting like mm -hmm. very close to having very killer. I think that's the biggest push of this cycle is going to be 
good UI wallets, good integration, good like ability to ask questions. I think that's probably the, the biggest thing is like, how do I get a helpline? What the hell? There is no helpline. So with stuff like AI, I think there's a big, big possibility to up this. Up, up I'm excited to hear that. I am that the, the industry's working hard on the right things. That's cool. 100%. Yeah. Hey, it's been a pleasure. Austin, Absolutely. Always. Super good. Yeah. We went over about to double the normal amount of time. It was a good chat. We <laughs> had to get all the things chat. out. It was, we, we've been a little <laughs> less uh, diligent about our time schedule. Yeah. John and I are going to try to focus on trying to get at least two ish a month. So going forward. So we'll try to go back down to the 25, 30 minutes, a little short. Yeah. Clip. I think after the, pauses there's a tendency toward i'm i think is it laquaxity pontification can one say laquaxity <laughs> talkativeness big, big words yeah pontification of ideas here yeah but yeah we'll catch you on the next one the idea is where if you're just looking at this you're just seeing this for the first time as your intro to crypto we also do the crypto crier newsletter so for interest in that it goes back there's a lot of good information in there but yeah, my just keep your eye on Bitcoin. We're, it was at 25, now we're at 34. Consolidating at 34. Zero, 30% correlation with the stocks that have been dipping quite heavily in the past uh, little while. So I, I do think that this is going to be a very good year for Bitcoin next year. So Excellent. This is your, this is your signal. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's the high signal, huh? <laughs> yeah. Austin on Jordan. 170 days. Load it up, guys. There we go. Oh, that's the next having date, right? Yeah. Cool. Probably most likely will be a two month gap between ETF passing and the having. Mm -hmm. To the supply side isn't cut in half and demand side is probably up like 20% on yeah. that. Yeah. So it's a big, it's a, it's a very big, interesting uh, dynamic to think about. Yeah. yeah. All right. Check All it right, out. Austin, you take care. Everybody, have a good one. All right. See you, man.